0: The scripture reading today is from Genesis, verse 37, chapters 1 through 13, 18 and 20. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Billah and Silpah, his father's wives and Joseph brought a bad report to them to, of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph, Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that, their father loved him more than all his brothers. They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There were binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf." His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream, and he told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this that you have had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow down to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in his mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. This is the word of God for the people of God. God.
1: Let us pray. Dear Lord, this is one of those stories that... uh, makes for a good vacation Bible school good uh, children's story something we're we're very familiar with but that's also one of the dangers of this scripture is it's familiar and it sounds like it's for children except for the killing that doesn't sound right But Lord, we need to hear these words in a fresh new way so they speak to our living today. So help us to put ourselves in this story and kind of imagine what it was like for Joseph, what it was like for his brothers, and what it might be like for us today to live out your vision for the world. So in these few moments, Lord open the scripture to our hearts. Speak to us, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. You know, to say that Jacob's family was dysfunctional would be a major understatement. Um, Think about it. Remember Jacob? Jacob was the one, the younger brother of Esau. And remember, he stole Esau's uh, blessing, his birthright. He Tricked him. He uh, ended up having to run from his brother Esau. He he ends up getting married to uh, Laban's daughter, and he tricks Laban and and the, his brothers-in-law, and, and they end up hating him. Jacob runs from him. He's he's caught between a rock and a hard place. He ends up wrestling with with God, really, an angel of the Lord, uh, and and then he has this. He's changed. Uh, He becomes Israel, um, which means you've striven with God and have prevailed. This is the Jacob who has the 12 sons. And it's almost as if all of the shenanigans of his past, they're starting to get lived out in his children. The sins of the father are being uh, carried out in the lives of his children. And you've got all these brothers that are just after Joseph. And why? Well, first of all, Jacob he 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 picks favorites among his children. You know, I, maybe that's human nature, but you certainly don't want to make it obvious. What what is what does Jacob do? He he fashions a beautiful, colorful coat and gives it to the next to the youngest of his sons, Joseph. No wonder the brothers didn't think much of him. In verse 3 in our scripture lesson today, the writer of Genesis says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age. Maybe, you know, he was older when Joseph was born. And so maybe rightfully feels pretty... You know, like Joseph's pretty special because of that, a child that he should never have had, you know, but does he have to be so obvious about it? That's not the only reason. We don't see it in this particular scripture, but Joseph was the firstborn of Jacob's real love, Rachel. Remember how he wanted to marry Rachel, but then, uh, you know, Rachel and Leah, who were sisters, their father kind of tricked Jacob and he ended up having to be married to Leah for seven years before he could finally marry Rachel, his real love. Well, Joseph is the firstborn of Rachel, the love of his life. So I guess he didn't think twice about making that robe and making Joseph pretty special among his sons. No wonder his brothers hated him. In verse 4, Genesis says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him, meaning Joseph, more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They hated him because of his special robe, because of his special relationship with his father, and that connection with that very special love of Jacob's life, Rachel. But, you know, most of all, I think they hated him because of his dreams. We had two of the dreams shared with us in our reading this morning. Verses six and seven tell us of that first dream that it's interesting. It's not just simply that Joseph had the dream and he kind of pondered it uh, on his heart. No, he had to share it with his brothers. Now, you know... Maybe Joseph has a little bit of his father's blood in him because he's kind of almost gloating because this first dream that he has is of these sheaves of grain out in the field and his sheaf of grain it rises up and stands tall and the 11 sheaves of his brothers, they all gather around. This is, you know, this is a dream, you know, you understand So it's a little strange, but these sheaves of grain, they all gather around Joseph's sheaf, and they all bow down, you know, it's pretty obvious to me. And I dare say it must've been obvious to Joseph what this dream meant. He was putting his brothers in their place. He was going to be all but worshiped by his brothers. He was going to be in a place of authority over his brothers and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. It wouldn't matter who among the brothers would have such a dream, but especially coming from one of the youngest, the second to the youngest of the sons is having this dream about how they're all going to bow down before him. And as if that dream were not bad enough, he has another dream, which he not only shares with his brothers, but he also shares with his father, this dream of the sun and the moon and 11 stars, obviously representing 11 brothers. They all bow down before Joseph. And even his father, who loves Joseph so much, is absolutely appalled, and he rebukes his favored son, because he sees in the dream who the sun and the moon are. They're the parents. That's mom and dad. And he wants to know, Joseph, are you saying that your mother and your father and all your brothers are all going to bow down before you? How dare you? He's appalled at what his son has shared. No wonder his brothers conspired to kill him. When he went to join them in the field where they were watching uh, the cattle, the flock, they begin to mock him. They see him in the distance, coming over the horizon, and they say, here comes this dreamer, as if to say his dreams mean nothing. He's just, he's, he's a dreamer. He's in another world. He's in his own world. Now, the problem was that there was truth in his dreams. Now, you you see, when you think about dreams, the real power of a dream is in the visions that are cast by that dream. You know, Just having a a dream of sheaves of grain or stars in the sky, that's nice. It's like me with the train going around on the the side on a wall, you know. It's kind of pointless. There's no power in that. The power is in the vision that that dream might be casting. And in the case of Joseph, his dreams are casting a vision of Joseph kind of being in authority over his brother's. The vision of Joseph's dreams was a time to come when he would be held in great esteem by his brothers and for that matter, by his whole family. Now, what they saw, what they saw in Joseph's dream was undeserved authority given to one of the youngest sons of Jacob. And they did not like what they they saw. Joseph's visions, of course, and we we have the advantage of having, you know, 2020 hindsight. His visions come true, but not without a price. Eventually, his brothers would uh, take that jealousy that they have, that hatred that they have, and they would they would conspire to kill him, and then throw his body into a pit. As it turns out, they they throw him into a pit, but they don't kill him. They there there's a there's a caravan of Ishmaelites that are on their way to Egypt, and they figure, well, why kill him? Let's let's um, you know let let's kill an animal and and. And tear up his robe and put the animal's blood on it, so we can tell our father that he's dead and that an animal did the killing. Uh, but let's let's you know let's get a little reward for this. Let's sell him into slavery, and that's what they do. They sell him to the Ishmaelites, and and he's taken to uh, taken to Egypt, where he becomes the slave of Pontifar. And while he's a slave there, his Pontifar's wife. Um, Really is kind of attracted to Joseph and puts him in a in a in an awkward position and then accuses him of assault. So where does he end up? He ends up in prison in Pharaoh's prison. And while he's in the prison there, you know the story. He he uh, encounters the Pharaoh's uh, cupbearer and baker and uh, they have dreams. He he interprets their dream. One is good for one and one is bad for the other and. Uh, eventually uh, the cupbearer and the baker are freed from prison and and one of them is back in the service of, of Pharaoh. And uh, he, even though Joseph had asked him to remember him to Pharaoh, um, he forgets. And it's not until two years later that uh, the Pharaoh has some of his own dreams that are just really uh, very strange. He doesn't know how to interpret them. And so he learns from his cupbearer that that there's a, there's a guy in prison that could interpret dreams. And so Joseph is called, he interprets the dreams, and he's put at the right-hand side of Pharaoh. And when eventually the famine comes and food is stored in Egypt, his brothers find themselves in a precarious situation where their family is starving. And so they come to Egypt, not realizing that the person they come before is their brother, because now he's had his head shaved, he's, he, he speaks uh, uh, Egyptian, uh, he's really a very different person, so they don't recognize him. And what do they do? They bow down before this uh, leader of Egypt just like the dream that Joseph had had years before had predicted. His vision of a better time for his family, because eventually uh, Joseph allows them, he, he sees that they are fed and the whole family is brought to Egypt. But this vision that Joseph initially had came with a price. And the price was, his brothers hating him. His brothers conspiring to kill him. Those years that he spent in prison, all of that was the price that he paid for sharing the, the vision that he had in his dreams. Well, my question for you today is, what kind of vision do you have for the world today, here and now? What What is your vision? And what kind of price are you willing to pay in order to share it? If you were in the position of Joseph, what kind of vision would God give to you for this world that if you shared it, you would have to pay a price for it? I don't need to tell you that our church, our nation, and our world have never been more divided. Certainly in my lifetime, I have not experienced the divisions that I see all around me in a way that I do now. This world of ours is divided between those who believes, those who believe that black lives matter and those who believe police are under assault. You know, there are these camps and and it's almost like you can't talk to one or the other because they're so divided our society is divided among those who believe same-sex couples deserve a place in our church and in our society and those who believe that homosexuality is a sin and an abomination to god you know you know these groups you may belong to one of these groups but there's like there's a chasm in between them there's no coming together there, there's it's just getting wider and wider our society is divided between those who believe sharia law should be the law of every land and those who believe christianity should be the should be the land's official religion and there's no, there's no there's no place of compromise no place of coming together there, there's just this great division among us there's a division between those who want open borders and those who want to build walls. Right now, it seems like, from my perspective, that compromise has become a four-letter word. Lines are being drawn in the sand, and everyone seems to be taking you know, sides. Common ground is losing ground. The middle is being either squeezed or pulled apart. If you dare to have a vision for unity in the midst of diversity or tolerance in the midst of disagreement, if you dare to to have a vision of forgiveness and acceptance in the midst of righteous indignation, you will pay a price for sharing that vision. And it may be a large price. People might think you're weak because you cannot hold firm to a position. They might even use scripture to tell you that lukewarmness will cause you to be spit out of the mouth of God. They will say that you are unprincipled and you are without character if you dare to bridge that gap of division in our society. Some people will actually hate you. Many will no longer call you friend because they will put you in the other camp. But you see, Jesus had a vision for the world he called the kingdom of God. And it was not a far off place in some later time called heaven. But his kingdom of God was meant to be lived out here and now within us and among us. It is a world where people forgive each other, not once, not twice, not seven times, but 70 times seven, as Jesus told Peter. The vision that Christ has for the world is a world where people humble themselves and wash each other's dirty feet, no matter who they are. His vision is a world where people eat at the table of people they consider to be sinners. Eating with people that more respectable people shun. The kingdom of God that that Christ has a vision for this world is one where people love their enemies. Like the good Samaritan loved the Jewish man beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road. It is a kingdom where people don't let their religion get in the way of love. That's God's vision for the world, I am convinced. Do you see it? Can you imagine it? Can you see that kingdom right here in this church, in this community, in your neighborhood? Do you see it? Are you willing to share it? Let me just tell you, if you share such a vision... If you're willing to stand up for such a vision as this in these divided times, you may have to pay a price. Your friends may not like to hear what you have to say. You might have to tell that, that buddy that you've uh, had for all these years who keeps sending you that email full of hatred and venom for the other side that that's no longer acceptable you might be called names. You might have to compromise some long-held beliefs and values of your own. You know, when I was uh, preparing the sermon, I, I wanted to find an example of someone bridging that divide. And I'm telling you, I had a hard time finding an example that is out there because there are far too many examples of people fighting with each other and dividing rather than uniting. But the image that kept coming back to my mind was of that police officer in Dallas who who stood between the bullets and the person who was there protesting against police uh, and, and what they what some had done among the black community. There between Black Lives Matter and and police, one at least bridged the gap and put his life on the line. He was willing to pay that price. When Joseph's brothers came to Egypt desperate for food, he had every good reason to let them starve. He could rationalize just letting them go back to their homeland and die of starvation for what they had done to him. But he had a different kind of vision for the world. And he forgave them. And he wept as he embraced them and he brought his whole family to Egypt because you see Joseph had the vision to see a rule a world ruled by God's love is that your vision are you willing to pay the price to share it let us pray Lord, forgive us for our self-righteousness. Forgive us for thinking we know who belongs in your kingdom and who doesn't. Forgive us for drawing lines and pushing people out of our lives. Help us to dream the dreams that you send our way and to hold fast to the vision of a world ruled by your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.